Hello everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 10, issue 464. It's Wave Race 64 and Wave Race Blue Storm. And we'll also briefly talk about the predecessor to those games. For this show, joining me, Leon Cox, are Brian Edwards. What are you thinking? <laughs> Indeed. Darren Gargett. I hit my head on a rock. Okay, that <laughs> explains a lot. And Mikhail Croder. It's turbo time, kid. <laughs> ah, now that's one of the Blue Storm coaches or yeah. train, uh, team bit, leaders, bit right? Chiefs or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a it's a trio of games. For those who don't know, it's not... I, I think most people will be familiar with the middle one in some way, even if they haven't played it, they'll have seen it or heard of it. But there, there is a it's a sort of trilogy, a trio of competitive personal watercraft or jet ski driving games. S- simulations might be pushing it, featuring single or multiplayer racing, stunts, and other activities on a variety of courses in various conditions. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Mm. So going back to even uh, the Game Boy game, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a minute, uh, if you do have any history with it. But uh, Brian, what's your history with the Wave Race series? I'm going with you first simply because they unsurprisingly all released in America before they released anywhere else. Are you saying America is associated more with jet skis than any other? uh, Well, uh... (laughs) absolutely. And in the case of, uh, in the case of the, the original game, it never even got a Japanese release. It was only released. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I never played um, the game boy original game, at least at the time I have dipped in with it now. Um, Okay. But, uh, but yeah, I I was going to happen a lot. Yeah. (laughs) They uh, so I was lucky enough to get a uh, Nintendo sixty four th- for the Christmas of nineteen ninety six. I was very very fortunate. Uh, my parents were able to snag one, um, and the only game I had was uh, Mario sixty four uh, as it came with it. And I spent basically the next two months scouring Toys R Us's and local uh, KB Toys um, for Wave Race sixty four. Pretty hard to find right off the bat. That and uh, uh-huh. um, Shadows of the Empire was easier to find. Those are the first three games I I, I had. So I ended up owning Waver 64 when I eventually found it, I want to say somewhere in late January, early February, and uh, just played it uh, like I did. You know, I was 13 years old with a new console and three games. I could, t- I could tell you a lot of things about dark corners of all three of those games just because of the amount sure. of time I spent with them. Um, and then I was actually uh, a late adopter to the GameCube, not by um, not by choice, just by, you know, fiscal uh, reasons. And, sure. um, and so I... Uh, got a GameCube later into its life cycle. Uh, I think it was about a year after Mario Sunshine came out. So that would be significantly after Blue Storm was released. And I didn't end up playing Blue Storm until several years past that. So um, less experience with that. But definitely I was a Wave Race 64 kid, you know, ha- talking with friends about how to ride the dolphin and all that stuff. So That famous video of that kid opening yep. up his copy of Wave Race 64 and going, Wave Race 64! <laughs> That didn't happen. I imagined it. Darren, <laughs> were you also that kid, but in Leighton Buzzard? Uh, well, uh, people who might have heard the N64 special we just done, or I'll give you a brief, um, you know, short summary of it. I basically went to Northampton and traded in my PS1 for an N64. And because they had no Mario 64, I reluctantly picked up Wave Race because it was just like, I've got the credit. I might as well pick up a you know Nintendo published game alongside Mario Kart. And I came, you know, I came home with Wave Race 64 and Mario Kart 64. So two races, 
and one console. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so from then on, uh, yeah, I played um, I played it quite a lot. And then the GameCube one came out, and it came alongside my um, my GameCube modded Japanese US Switch edition. Um, yeah, it's quite strange because I remember pushing my um, my friend's PC home in a Waitrose shopping trolley, and I got a phone call from my mum. And uh, she's like, oh, yeah, um, there's, something's just turned up in this, like, this bag. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it's, um, it's called a GameCube. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was travelled all the way across the seas in, like, it felt like the mo- like, I was wait- I was expecting it, like, a month down the line because it was, like, an imported modded thing. And apparently it turned up, like, the same week. And I was like, okay, let's get this PC home sharpish. So we, like, we were pushing this, com- this computer home in a shopping trolley, you know, rushing to get home to go and play the GameCube. And, um yeah um strange time really because i had the, the gamecube was definitely the era where i had the most disposable income and um yeah i had a lot of gamecube games and wave race uh, was one of them uh blue storm i should say was, was mm. one of them and uh i think i ended up buying it the japanese version for some unknown reason i think i had like a, a fascination with them but with, with the little boxes really i think monkey ball started it all and um yeah yeah oh uh, yeah and um and i've just played it again recently for the show well done. Mikhail, how about you and Wave Race? Um, Wave Race on the Game Boy, I was hardly aware of its uh, existence. Yep. Uh, Wave <laughs> Race on the N64, Wave Race 64, uh, got featured quite a bit in magazines. And uh, I totally forgot that until I saw, saw videos today. That it, yeah. uh, In early shots, there were some sort of transforming... Yeah, right. raising boats in super there. boats, super boats yeah. instead of uh, instead of uh, people on jet skis, mm-hmm. and I didn't think much of that either until um, I saw in a specialized, dedicated high street game store in Amsterdam. I saw a video running of it pre-release, maybe you know six months or something before it would come out, and thinking, "Hey, this actually looks really neat. Look at those wave effects." Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that made me warm up to that game quite a bit um and i was getting ready to buy it but it came out after the first slew of releases for the n64 um mario 64 and uh, pilot wings and even though i loved pilot wings i was quite a bit salty about it it's shoddy pal version with the huge black yeah. borders yes um so when I saw that Wave Race 64 had exactly the same thing going on, I, yes. I drew a line in the sand. I said, till here and no further, till, till Pilot Wing 64, wow. no further. I'm not supporting this sort of practice. I'm not buying Wave Race 64. Even though a friend mm. of mine that you, both of us had gotten a, a N64 around the same time and we were you know, super in love with the, the machine and like buying magazines together and going to stores t- together to check new games out he bought it and i played it at his, at his place and i liked it a lot but i still felt like no i'm not buying this um so wave Race 64 i only bought the ntsc 60 hertz version when it came to the wii u um like yeah when uh, when the wii u was out so that yep. was uh much later i did so i did play wave Race 64 at the time but i never owned it until yeah i got it on the wii u and then Blue Storm was a uh, launch game for me. Day one pickup with the GameCube, uh, Rogue Leader, and Luigi's Mansion. So that were, that yeah. were the three games that I bought it with. Um, no, Monkey Ball. Yeah. Monkey Ball. A friend of mine bought that. <laughs> a friend of mine bought Monkey Ball. Okay. Uh, we all and, have a friend who bought Monkey Ball. We yeah. All do. 
And then, like one week later, I bought Ma- Monkey Ball after I played that. As well. Okay, so you're, you're let off. You're yeah. off the hook. So you're, was, you're still allowed on the show. Yeah. So <laughs> Even I, though this is not the Monkey Ball show. No. Sure. <laughs> you just got to. You got to have Monkey Ball. Yeah, yeah. I heard you guys already going. Like, uh, yeah, getting ready to go. <laughs> Stop going. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my history with uh, with the series. Um, sure. Yeah. Well, for me, uh, I don't know if I was even aware of the Game Boy game until after the N64 game. It didn't come out over here until after the N64 game. I may have seen an import review or something at some point, but yeah, uh, not on my radar at all. Then the previews came in and the magazines playing the import versions of the uh, Japanese N64 version and then the US version. And I'm I've got no particular affinity for watercraft. Uh, I like the idea of water being simulated in games, but up until this point, water was generally quite flat in games. And here was something that promised to raise the bar and the sea level in many ways. And it looked fun and exciting. And I trusted the the people. I knew it was a, a Nintendo EAD product internal uh, with Miyamoto overseeing and all that so I was confident this was going to be worth playing regardless of my reasonably ambivalent attitude towards the subject matter uh, I did I was aware of the PAL situation and I too was not happy with the PAL conversions we were getting from Nintendo at this point however my desire to buy and play the game completely overrode any uh, resistance or principles I had about it and I bought it as soon as it came out for a whopping fifty four ninety nine, which I think you would adjust for inflation would be about 80 quid now probably something mm. like that um yeah. this was 1997 so it wasn't cheap I wasn't especially well off but um it had to be bought <clears throat> to say I got value for money out of it would be an understatement I played it absolutely tons over the next probably three, four years that I had my N64 on, you know, on heavy rotation. Uh, I completed the game multiple times, did all mul- all the time attacking all the stunts and everything. And uh, it may have even been one where I, I wouldn't swear to this, but it's possible that I even at some point, like reset my cart or, or, or you know, uh, wipe the records just so I could start again kind mm. of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not certain, but uh, but I, I have a vague recollection of something like that. When it came out on the Wii, I bought it again. Uh, that was the PAL version again, and it was slightly altered, as we'll talk about. And then I upgraded that version to the Wii U Virtual Console when we finally, as Mikhail said, got the full-speed version, albeit with some slight caveats with the Wii U's emulation. Uh, but I've still got it, and I still play it uh, from time to time. We'll talk about how well I think it's aged or hasn't. Uh, Blue Storm, again, I bought it with uh, the... I I got the four games with the system. Exact same as you, Mikhail, but I also got Monkey Ball on day mm. one. Not sure. I know. I, I was going to say, I'm not sure how I afforded all that, but uh, I do know. Uh, I just got a credit card. <laughs> that, that explains it. Uh, and I played that one a good amount. I was never as obsessed with it as with the original... Um, once I got my freeloader import disc mm. for with Animal Crossing, which came out in America like a year or more before mm. it came out in the EU, I also used that to upgrade my PAL Wave Race, mm. which wasn't as bad as the the N64 no, game. No, I was just checking today. Um, it doesn't have a 60 hertz options, option, but it's at least full screen. There are no borders around the screen. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they did that with all the 
I think most of the early N- uh, GameCube games in PAL, I think most of them were, uh, certainly the first party games were optimized to be full screen if they didn't have uh, 60 hertz options. Yeah. But I still decided I wanted the, the extra uh, few percent of of speed and frames a second. So I did buy an import copy later on. Yeah, uh, That was the one I played a bit more because it just, yeah, just felt a little bit more responsive and, and whatever. Simon Sloth, as we move on towards the main event of Wave Race 64, says, Wave Race will always remind me of a time when playground gossip and mythos would obscure fact from fiction. I was a PlayStation owner. The Nintendo 64 was a console I dabbled with at Christmas and during occasional enforced play dates. After concentrating heavily on my quarter of the often tiny CRT and losing, I was teased with the tricks my adversary used to win. I realise now that a lot of what I was told was utter nonsense. The ability to complete the whole level underwater and the (laughs) rocket boost after a perfect dive were pure fiction. (laughs) That these were the playing fields of the pre-internet playground. Having played the game since, I still find it remarkable, almost to the point where a jet ski arcade perfect version could make this a timeless classic. I also bemoan the fact that I can't play this with my current friends, as it's superior to many of the games I can play. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> Wave Race 64, technically subtitled Colon Kawasaki Jet Ski because it's there on the box, developed by Nintendo EAD. EAD uh, early glimpses, as we said, at Shoshinkai, a.k.a. Space World. Obviously, Nintendo published it. Twin directors, uh, not twin, but do- a duo of directors, Katsuya Eguchi and uh, Shihya Takahashi. Um, obviously... Yeah, both have an enormous amount of uh, Nintendo credits. Uh, Eguchi is the general producer of Animal Crossing New Horizons to this day, so still working uh, project management on Luigi's Mansion 3 and Paper Mario the Origami King and goes all the way, all the way back to being an area director on Super Mario World in 1990 and a Super Mario Brothers 3 level designer, mm. which makes him pretty godlike. Yeah, yeah that's, a, a, that's a legendary resume. <laughs> and similar, I think he still works with Shinya Takahashi because uh, similar, very well, basically the same credits uh, plus some others, but general producer on a lot of recent games, including the ones I just mentioned uh, and Link's Awakening on the Switch, which we recently covered. And yeah, just a huge, 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 huge long list of uh, Nintendo games from the past 20 years, basically. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, some serious pedigree uh, pedigree is the word pedigree is the word <laughs> uh miyamoto was the producer uh keizo ota was the main programmer which i, I suggest is worth crediting in this case in particular because it is such a, a feat of technical programming ota also worked on uh, f-zero x but as a course designer director of wii sports which did okay for nintendo <laughs> Uh, also programming support and advise advisement on uh, Wii Play and Super Mario Galaxy and engineering on F-Zero X and uh, Wii Music and uh, Skyward Sword and all kinds of things. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty strong team. Plus, of course, the composer was Kazumi Totaka, who is best known for his, well, as well as his secret little tune being uh, the inspiration from, for Totakeke in uh, Animal Crossing. And uh, and I would say this was actually we'll talk about the music in a bit, but quite a departure from his his normal stuff, although he has turned his hand to kind of everything in 
again, 30 years pretty much uh, making music for Nintendo. The game was released on the N64 in September 1996 in Japan, November 96 in North America. And it was about two months after the, uh, the N64 came out in the UK. It came out April the 29th, 1997. <sighs> Wave Race 64 Shindo Edition arrived in Japan in July of 97. Of this added rumble support, of course, which we didn't have. As you cruise around the course, the rumble pack gently hums in sync with your jet ski's engine, hitting a big wave, landing a big jump or crashing, all result in a sharp burst of feedback. It really adds a lot to the experience, making Wave Race 64's impressive wave physics feel almost tangible. Uh, in terms of gameplay, the only difference in the Shindo version is that you can now race a ghost, which is portrayed as a dolphin in time trial mode. Otherwise, there's a few changes to the audio, some re-recorded voice samples and music tracks. Uh, I think there's some disagreement about whether those music tracks were any kind of improvement on the originals mm. or not. That was also from N64 today. So, yes, it was most recently released on the Wii U Virtual Console, December 25th. 15 in, in the eu and august 2016 in the usa <laughs> in your face brian we got the wii u version earlier this is ridiculous uh, what an outrage uh, i know and it was the american version even and it was the american version as well so I, why it took them another eight months to release in america i have no idea but i guess they just didn't have a what they thought was the right window i mean it is more of a summer game as we'll talk about so august makes more sense than the end of <laughs> december yeah. but there you go uh, and that reminds and that, me of how late we got 1080 degrees snowboarding yeah, on the N64 yeah. because they wanted to wait for the winter I know. season. Yeah, I remember. I remember that wait. Metacritic-wise, because uh, that's the only review resource I really have for Wave Race 64, it had uh, a very healthy 92 score. That's a percentage, really. And the game apparently sold cartridges 2.94 million which is decent. Not uh, It's in somewhere in the top 20 or 30 best-selling N64 games, but as we talked on our recent special, there were only uh, between two and 300 games on the N64, but, uh, but it did well. And I guess with Virtual Console, that may have gone up to as high as 3 million, but who knows. User reviews-wise, punters today or in the not-so-distant past are consistent on Nintendo Life, we have 8.4 out of 10 from over 500 folks. And on Metacritic, we have 8.3 out of 10 from over 100 folks, which is pretty solid. So yeah, talk a bit to me, folks, uh, panel, about the the appeal, the scenario, the setting. Was that was that there for anyone? Like, from, as I say, for me, it wasn't unappealing, the idea of a jet ski racer, but it it's not something I'd ever kind of thought about. But once I looked at the cover and got the vibe i was i really dig it and i still do yeah it has yeah. this very uh almost sega arcade like flavor to it for for some reason yeah i agree um it it has one of those things that like it had that moment where i was walking into whatever electronics boutique was called at the time in in, in my region i think it was called babbage's and seeing this <laughs> the footage on the screen and just seeing like just like kind of watching the way that the jet ski was reacting against the waves and like and i didn't know like i mean i didn't i didn't really i don't 
necessarily care for motorsport in general, let alone aquatic motorsport. But but watching that and seeing that in action, I remember the first time being like, oh, I want to play that. Like, that looks really cool, like really neat. Looks like kind of something you hadn't ever seen on a home console before, at least to that fidelity. Excuse me, fidelity. And uh, so, yeah, I was um, I was, you know, pretty bought in. The f- f- that was the absolute first game that I wanted to buy for for 64. And I think a lot of that comes from what McKeel was talking about before with the great magazine coverage I had when I was a you know subscriber to Nintendo Power over here and then also um, just picking up EGM and things on the newsstand. It was just it was always kind of in your face. It just kind of unrelenting is like, yeah, I got to get my hands on this thing. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, like, yeah, you know, just plugging it in for the first time, not really knowing what to expect as a as I said earlier on, like a reluctant purchaser of this um, of this game. There was like certain flashpoints, even now on my memory, of each track having its own kind of oh wow moment, like in terms of like mm-hmm. um, Southern Island having the the the, the shipwreck and the, the the lowering of the water and the I can't remember the name, but it's got rocky waters and it's got like a a, a long rock horizontal rock right in front of the starting grid. Mm-hmm. Things like some in mm-hmm. port, right, and then the kind of the metal gate opens up. But I, my introduction to this podcast was I hit my head on a rock, and that's I remember the first time I played this level. It's got two kind of really harsh waves, and I, yeah. and I flew over this rock, and I just caught the Marine back of it. Fortress. There you go, Marine Fortress, and I just absolutely just crashed in with this rock, and I was like, "This game's amazing!" Like, I couldn't believe what I was seeing <laughs> yeah. or feeling because mm. you feel the waves, and I know this will get in a bit a bit, a bit ahead here, but no, it's fine. Each it's, kind of uh, scenario bad. and you know locale in the game had its own point of just like right. I I, I absolutely see what they're going with here, and going in with fresh eyes and no expectations at all really kind of highlighted those moments to the point where I still kind of feel it now when I play those levels. I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember when I did this and I did that for the first time. It has those kind of very kind of like classic iconic Nintendo moments that you'd say from like a Zelda. Oh, do you remember you played your first Zelda and this happened? Like Wave Race for me was like, I couldn't believe that I could like dip under the water to get underneath bridges and mm. do stuff like, and it was all handled on the stick and it all feels very intense, if you know what I mean. Like if... If you want to do a barrel roll, you need to kind of like preload it and all these things put together, regardless of, regardless of the scenario around me, because I don't, I don't really care for the actual locations. It's what happens on the water that right. matters to me. And all these kind of high points still resonate with me now. Yeah, th- there's something about, and uh, we're probably, it's all going to mix together, but um, like you combine that, what you were just talking about, Darren, I felt the exact same way. And I think my my 13 or 14 year old brain at the time just couldn't comprehend like when I was playing Mario 64 like like it was amazing to control Mario in that 3D space and to manipulate everything like it was blew my blew my mind as to what was possible but wave race was the first time I felt like I was really like like where I kind of understood that I was manipulating a 3D model you know like like with the first mm-hmm. time you do a backflip and then you and you hit that water and you just that little sink and bob back up mm-hmm. and like and your 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 actions on the stick have real weighty like weighty response on the screen. Mm. Like it was one of those times like it, it it felt like you were just doing something completely unique and different. And I can't separate that feeling. There there is a and even though I, I can't really equate it to anything else except for Blue Storm, we'll talk about it later, which obviously makes sense. But like it wave races have has its own feel to it. Like you can't describe it without playing it like you, you, like you navigate that racing game unlike any other game you've ever played and it still sticks to this day like just the way everything interacts and it creates all of that is part of the setting and the vibe like I I was struggling to remember names of tracks but I could remember but when I was playing for the show like I could I could remember exactly where this jump was or where the shortcut was or how when the water level rose I'd be able to dip under this thing you know like it it all mixes together to form that kind of that that feeling that wave race feeling 
Yeah, I think you've already we've already done a decent job there of sort of summing up the whole thing. That it, for me, this really is a, a lightning in a bottle game of a bunch of disparate factors, both technological and artistic, all coming together to make a game that is for me one one for the ages. Mm. I understand why, although yeah, it sold a, a creditable three million odd copies. This is a bit of a, a niche title still to this day. Uh, some people fondly remember it. We have a little correspondence about the game. But for me, this was one of my absolute... Fa- it remains one of my favourite N64 titles. Mm-hmm. If I do ever get around to rebuying an N64, whether it be with a, a nice uh, cathode ray TV or a, or a modded N- N64 that plays all region games, one of the first games I would get absolutely would be Wave Race 64 uh, because... It is that, yeah, that blend of, of the, the physics and the handling, the coding and the atmosphere uh, that just all really comes together. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I don't think some of this is down to my impressions of playing it at the time in 1997, despite the, the bordered slow PAL version. It was still a real wow. I mean, let's talk about the the water, uh, because I don't think I'd seen anything quite like it. Now there's a few you can you can see it how how it's working you can see the gears a bit better now you can kind of count or you can't quite count the polygons but you can sort of deconstruct what's going on in front of you you can see that the actual uh the distance in front of you which the water is actually doing its thing and working is very limited yeah and it's and pretty especially much like, when you play it in split screen with uh, two players yes, you see yeah. uh, quite a bit of um yeah, like colored space, flat, flat, flat space, area. Pretty much, That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. However, and again, it, I know it's hard to look at these things with fresh eyes when you when you've been looking at them the whole time. But and in in the usual fashion, and we talk about this a lot on Kane and Rince, I might have been going from say playing something on a 4K, you know, Series X or PS5 something with insane modern graphics at a very high frame rate, ridiculous fidelity and effects. Obviously, when you you first nip over to the Wii U or your N64 itself and throw on Wave Race, initially there's a bit of a, yeah, okay, this looks old now, uh, especially the characters. I think the, the, the characters are incredibly low poly. Yeah. But it really doesn't take me long before I'm, thoroughly back immersed in the in the look and feel and, no. and and feet you know just like getting the it still it still does a job for me yeah and it should be the expectation as well if you go back to the n64 that's it's not going to look as good as your ps5 right yeah of <laughs> yeah well yeah of course <laughs> yeah but yeah like, even like david mariner obviously because he's not the focus of the game even though for some people he is but he doesn't mm. look as good as Mario from Mario 64, despite them coming out roughly no. well on the same day, right? Because yeah. Mario's obviously the, the star for that one, and the, the polygonal characters in Wave Race, they, they remind me of Tekken 1 characters. You know, you can see yeah. the joins, you can see the, yeah. the cuboids and the rectangles. But The backside of their thighs aren't connected to their buttocks. <laughs> no. Those are separate, that's not, uh, that's separate not how the chunks. Song goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, so it, but you're so focused on the horizon in front of you, and you know, and the waves going on around you that it doesn't really matter that the even back then it didn't matter that the characters didn't look perfect because you weren't really unless they were doing like a handstand in front of you, like yeah. on the screen, it didn't no. really matter. But the animation, even even though the polys are low yeah. and the the triangles are obvious, the the the, the knee bouncing, yeah, that's oh, great, and 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 the uh, and the actual 
uh, even though I think it's yeah, it's just uh, keyframed animation when you're doing the like spinning around the front of the of the jet ski and all that stuff. I, I think it it's still pretty effective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Even at the time, I felt like you know I didn't really like the look of a lot of very angular polygonal characters. Mm. Um, but it was often the animation yeah. that brought them to life and made made them convincing. And it, yeah, the same the same goes for Ray for Ray sixty four. I don't think I've played a game, even like modern, like Sea of Thieves style, where the water feels mm. thick and tangible. Like you, you get the jet ski under the water and <laughs> yeah. you can feel the push back on the water. Yeah. But not many games have done that for where like you, you're briefly underwater for a second and your vehicle feels like it's slowing down. Like mm. yeah. I don't know what visual or programming te- wizardry they're doing. It's really quite remarkable. Them, it's it's unlike anything else. Like I said, like, I see if he's, I believe, to be like the most beautiful. I mean, the sea, the yeah, in that game looks absolutely phenomenal. But, and like, the effect, the graphic effect when you dive in and you go from being out to in the mm. water is beautiful. But it, but the feel of it, the water is not quite no, there. No, is no, it? Like, yeah. I've played enough of that game to know that the ship is just floating on the water without any kind of physical, mm. you know, interaction with one another. It feels like it, but if you spend a little enough time on it, you can, you can see uh. where it kind of breaks. The magic breaks. Wave race for me, I don't get it. Like it's like, it, it feels real. And you yeah, know, they, for, they, they sure nailed the physics old. and they nailed the interactive uh, interactivity of the systems there where, yeah, you do feel you're on that surface and it's constantly changing height and elevation. You know, you're, bo- you're bobbing up and down and you're sort of sitting against these waves. Uh, yeah, it's super remarkable. I do remember also about the water because I boycotted Wave Race 64 and I was hoping when Diddy Kong Racing was coming out that the water sections ah. of that would be just as good as Wave Race 64. Not quite, so I wouldn't no. feel as bad about, you know, I wouldn't feel as bad about having to miss out on Wave Race fun, 64. But, but it yeah. did not have did not it did not have yeah, the same exactly physics. and diddy kong yeah, racing is think, impressive in so many other aspects but yeah it doesn't sure. come near to nailing the same thing that they well i would even say i would yeah. pu- push push that further forward and say there's a jet ski sequence or mission in gta 5 mm-hmm. which is obviously a game which does all kinds of incredible yeah. technical things or certainly did in 2013 on the uh, that generation and has obviously been updated since and is going to be updated again Lots of incredible things. You can go anywhere in that game, fly, you have shootouts and rate, drive cars and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. But the water, again, in GTA Five, I think, looks absolutely stunning, yeah. sumptuous. However, the jet ski bit in that was fun enough. Wasn't as good as Wave Race, no, no, no. though, yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think Nintendo had this technology to display these waves, and then they went absolutely ham. They completely laser-focused on... Delivering a super convincing, yeah, like physical, tangible, mm. interactive experience here. But to, again, what they managed to do, I think, with it, as they did with Pilot Wings before, and obviously I know there was Paradigm's involvement with Pilot Wings 64, go and listen to that podcast. But they managed to find that absolute perfect pinpoint spot between simulation realism and arcade gameplay. Yeah. That's that's the real trick that normally games sort of fall on one side or the other. Whereas this, to me, like I've never re- has anyone here ever actually had a go on a jet ski. I haven't. No, I, no, it sounds terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it looks fun, uh, and maybe yeah, I'd like to hear from a jet ski 
uh, driver to see, you know, we know that for a long time now, decades actually, racing drivers have used car games to practice circuits and things like that. But would a would a jet ski game of the nature of Wave Race 64 give you any inkling at all? I, you know, there's no physical demand to it, where, whereas obviously in the real thing there would be. Uh, and actually keeping your balance and having the strength to hold up the column and all that, whatever it is. See, I don't even know. But um, <laughs> well, if you I imagine it wouldn't resort, be much. You could simulate the idea with your Wii and uh, Wiimote and Nunchuck because they had a jet ski. Well, in there, didn't yeah, they? You could... that was they did, and that was the, uh, some of the same staff involved. But mm. um, but it, again, it didn't yeah, didn't really didn't really have the same level nah. of of simulation or immersion and it's amazing really because yes and again listener you should be aware we all played this game at the time and i think that will have an effect on our reception to it because i think if you played it for the first time now the game runs at 20 frames a second or 17 on power somebody on neogaf a few years ago i noticed they're not a a live member anymore they've been banned they're probably (laughs) for this comments probably so and so but they described the game as they were talking about Nintendo racing games of the past, and this person was saying, "Well, F Zero X is still uh, is still fun, although you may as well play GX." But Wave Race is quotes completely unplayable. There you go. That's a bannable yeah. offense. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I just yeah, like maybe <laughs> somebody listening to this show and goes and downloads it for the Wii U Virtual Console would go, would maybe they'd feel the same way. But I don't, I don't know. I think maybe it would take a little while to get used to it, but. I think there, it's far from unplayable. Yeah, it, there, it's a consistent 20 frames per second, and it doesn't feel stuttery somehow, you know? It doesn't yeah, feel yeah. like you're skipping frames or anything. I don't know so, how exactly I, they did it, but it's, it feels all I, right. I've, I've got this weird, it's not even a theory. I'm sure there's many people much smarter than me who have had much more complex thoughts, but the like 20 frames per second sounds like low. We, we talk a lot about frames per second now, specifically these days with these new consoles and everything else, but like sure. if it's consistent... And then you are still so laser focused on the gameplay, kind of the frame rate kind of disappears. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you just, you're Hello. you're focused on the wave, the next wave that's coming. Your turn, you want to miss that buoy. You don't want to hit the rock. Um, I feel like wait, frame rate dips and frame rate low thing are really a lot easier to spot when it's when it's inconsistent. Obviously, going up and down, but also in like in open worldy games where like a lot of the time you're just kind of exploring. But like if yeah. you're not if you're not if you're not planning your next turn or your next jump in Waver 64 you're going to you're going to hit a rock spin around and be yeah, yeah. dead and in the water you know so i think that it does allow you to kind of see past some of those things exactly can, and there's no yeah. manual camera control either right know? it's like That's a good the camera's yeah, yeah. positioned right behind you so you don't see that you sort of thing you can zoom either. it in and out on the C, with mm-hmm. the c button but I, I mean you can't turn and twist the camera around that's no. usually where no. You know, you get like horribly noticeable frame rate issues. Yeah. Yeah. According to Retro Gamer in July 2008, there are the occasional dips. It says uh, it is thought that over 80% of the N64's processing power is employed when the game is running. And this becomes evident from time to time when the frame rate suffers a little slow down i think that's that's probably true but it's uh, i don't i didn't find it was ever wildly no. disruptive and and here's the thing and um, maybe i've talked about this on previous shows about 3d games of this era it's like we were used to games with 3d graphics having a much lower frame rate than 2d games yes. you know everything exactly. polygonal based was somewhere oh, around yeah. the 20s at most oh and at most yeah, for sure exactly yeah, even, even when running games like Quake and Doom on a pretty decent PC would, you know, at most come somewhere close to 30 or something. 
Yeah, right. Didn't yeah. have way yeah, and... PC though, did you? No, um, Chris. <laughs> True enough. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've probably said this before on. on For a me, of always shows, but... around that time, it mm. felt like this comes with the territory of a 3D yeah. game because they're so demanding, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, it's certainly. Yeah, there were there were games like the the uh, Freescape. Was it Freescape or Free Space? Freescape engine games on the 8-bit systems uh, where they um, they actually decided to try some full uh, polygons rather than vectors and make a 3D adventure out of them. Those games ran at literally sort of two frames a second. Yeah. And uh, and they got good reviews <laughs> because they were innovative and, you know, it was exciting just to exist in a 3D space. Yeah. So 20 frames a second compared to that is, well, it's 10 times as fast. So <laughs> it, it seemed fine. But... But yes, just talking from the point of view, I, can, I you know I can imagine some people will be listening to this, and obviously I, I imagine our, our demographic is mainly people around our age, and so they'll they'll understand what we're getting at. But yeah, uh, I I am conscious of those people who may you know come to a an N sixty four game for the first time now and maybe weren't around at that time of gaming and just go, you cannot play this. Like it, yeah. it looks a mess, it feels a mess. So. Yeah, but my my kids are my kids are okay with it though. So, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, that's good. Part of the atmosphere to me is uh, sold by the sound. Before we get onto the music, just talking about the sound design, uh, the the screeching of the seagulls, the quacking of the ducks, uh, the the various lovely chimes and jingles oh. when you go around uh, boys and 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 uh, whatever else. And of course, of course, we have to mention the announcer, the commentator. Mm. So there was a Japanese uh, announcer who I've probably heard on on a YouTube video of Kiyomi Yamazaki. But in the Western version, we got John Houlaton. Yeah. And uh, he went on to do a few other games. This was his first credit. Uh, he uh, He did some fighting games. He was the uh, he was Raiden in uh, in Capcom versus SNK apparently. Oh, okay, uh, and uh, and he was also the an, the stadium or like the announcer, the fight announcer in Neo Geo Battle Coliseum huh. as well. But probably doing a different voice. Yeah. But the announcer here, partly because he got so many lines and some of them are so kind of cheesy and memorable. But it's it's the the most kind of for me the sort of the 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 single most iconic aspect of the whole thing is, is the wave race announcer. We've been, we've been mucking around with it between ourselves in the run up to this show, just because it's still so much fun. Mm-hmm. So enthusiastic. <clears throat> and it's nonstop, you know, it's almost like, it's like, it's like he was the original shoutcaster or something because like, it's yeah. all during the race. You do anything. He's got a comment for it. At the time I found that very novel. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it seems like, oh, the game's mm. live reacting to the things I'm doing, which is, you know, true. But also now playing it back now, it's one of those things that maybe didn't age as well. But I also, I can't, knowing that full well, that that probably doesn't age well. You come to that game now, you'd be like, oh, man, why does this guy keep shouting at these echoey <laughs> things? But for me personally, I can't separate it from part of the things that I love about the game. I'm laughing when he when I screw up, you know, and he's yeah. telling me like, yeah, wrong way. Like, oh, man, you were so saying, good. Brian, that you still sometimes find yourself saying 
what do you think? I said, I said it at work literally two weeks ago, Leon, and people <laughs> looked at me like I was out of my mind because I said it in that voice, you know, and you're like, like, what are you talking about? Like some, like I just, somebody made a mistake and I said it and I'm like, oh, you know, tried to explain it a little bit. I'm like, this is just, let's just leave this in the past. I'll just say that only in my brain from now on. But yeah, <laughs> it's like, it, but it is, it's, it's, I, to me, it's personally iconic to me when you think about wave race, it just, mm. they're, they're so, they're so ingrained with one another. But the bit for the sound design for me is when it kind of it does the overlay of the of the map ahead of you, and you know it's got all the nice music and that. And then just when it stops and it goes quiet, it goes doodle doo because it shows you what yeah. place you need to be. And that bit for me <laughs> yeah. just it is so atmospheric. It's yeah. so it gets the hairs on the back of my neck up, and it's just like how did how does that the timing of it <laughs> and the yeah. the just the way it's performed, just that little jingle. Like, yeah. It just seals the deal. And everything's got that slightly compressed, hissy, muffly N64 sound to it. Mm-hmm. But despite that, I guess maybe that's actually why that of all the sounds in this game, the 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 splashing and the you know, the water, the spray coming up in your face. It's it's a fairly I, I imagine it's a fairly small library of sound effects by modern standards. But the constant sort of splash that you get from as feedback. Yeah. Uh I think that that's just a, it's a really pleasant sound. I think, and, and you know the um the, the going around of of the boys, it's got that kind of weird kind of game show noise, like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. got a strange noise, and when you miss it, you really feel it. Like you get a big kind of X over your mm. yeah your boy in the corner, and the, the announcer gives his you know his his opinion on it, and yeah, it all really feeds together into quite a cohesion of um. But if you were to listen to it on its like without the gameplay in front of you or kind of any cool. reverence for the game, it would feel really weird. Just this guy going, "Yeah, okay, well, yeah." You'd be like, what is going on? It, it is a lot of noise, but they somehow orchestrate it in a way with the visuals to make it completely seamless to my ears. It made perfect sense to me coming just a few years after Ridge Racer, which has possibly still the most obnoxious and cheesy announcer of any game so this was actually quite mellow compared to wow what a start this is just what i wanted to see <laughs> and all that stuff <laughs> yeah you know i feel like if you compare the two like there's not as much going on in ridge racer as wave race and uh so like the announcer for wave race is like a like a narrator of sorts he's kind of yeah reading the mind yeah yeah and the music Kazuma Totake, uh, Quiet Paul from the forums says, The soundtrack is nothing short of iconic. Very arcade style and catchy as anything. When I hear the seagulls and the water sounds followed by the rad guitar riff, it gets me right in the mood to conquer the waves. My personal favourite track is Drake Lake. I dare say you could put Drake Lake's music into pretty much any Nintendo game at the time and it'll be perfect. But I always imagined it in Donkey Kong Country on the Super Nintendo. Drake Lake, huh? Maybe Donkey Kong Country 3. I would... Uh... Yeah, Yeah, it's really funny because um, I, up until I bought the Wii U Virtual Console release, uh, I hadn't played that game in ages, Wave Race 64. Um, Mm. And then when I, when I got it, the music really reminded me of titles like Wii Sports and Wii Fit, uh, the piano tingles and the jingles and everything in there. Uh, Of course. Yeah, very similar. it's the other way around, of course. But then... It the it takes some turns though. That Marine mm. Fortress track mm-hmm. is like this bumping heavy metal. I yeah. that's an all timer for me for for um for just like a race game background music. It reminds me, it's like mm. it's got kind of that Bowser's Castle dark vibe to yeah, it. Yeah. Like 
Uh, yeah. Oh, I just there's something about that track. Like that's I like all the rest of the music. I, I I have the soundtrack downloaded. I listen to it from time to time. But this is the Marine Forge is the one that gets the most play for me. It just kind of it just turns and just shows kind of like the new a little bit. I don't want to say edge because that's cheesy, but like maybe just a little bit more raw power that was coming from it. Like I I, I, mm. I could feel that while playing the game. I'll listen to that track. That's a that's a pretty important one for me. Yeah, for this, I would say for this game, for me, the the vibe is actually more late 80s, early 90s. Like the whole thing, the, the intro could be from from uh, the kind of TV sports show that we used to import from America and show in the, the small hours of the morning. Mm. Like, I don't know, beach volleyball or something <laughs> from the States, yeah. from, I don't know, whichever TV company would have that in the States. Uh, whereas the the sequel that we'll talk about leans more into the radical, gnarly, extreme sports kind of thing, whereas this one really doesn't. It's far more like, yeah, it's it's got that it's got that chilled, um, warmer kind of feeling. Yeah, to it, yeah. and che- yeah, and cheese as well. Yeah. Plenty of cheese, tons of cheese. You know, delicious. And when it does start calming down, the music it reminds me of a bit like of a like a hang gliding in pilot wings. It kind of it kind of borders mm. on like a Venn diagram of other Nintendo franchises, but it's got its own distinctive style at the same time. Like you, there's a bit of F-Zero in there. There's a bit of Pilot Wings. There's a bit of Mario Kart. Do you know what I mean? It all kind of, it, it feels Nintendo. And for a series that hasn't had a entry in a long time, you know, going back to Wave 64 in particular, it feels very, you know, very Nintendo-like. And we should say, and sorry, this is slightly going back to graphics a bit as well, really, but it's kind of the whole thing on Drake Lake. So you you race the first lap in heavy fog, mist or mist over a lake. Mm. And of course, at the time, you're thinking, uh, oh, OK, here we go again. They, this is N64. they couldn't do the draw distance yeah. on this N64. But then the second lap. Yeah. And and it clears away, and that's still. I think that's still like it, it so doesn't cool. have quite the power that it did, but it's still. It's still effective when the water goes from being flat to shiny. Yeah, it's uh, it's such a nice moment, and yeah, that that blends in with the with the pretty laid back soundtrack on that mm-hmm. uh, on that piece. Like, yeah, the sun's come out, nice. Yeah, you know, like, and this feeds into the gameplay somewhat, but the the kind of the mist disip- you know, dissipating, disappearing, and the uh, the rising of the water, and that it kind of it really is like just something else I, my brain's like absolutely thinking of everything at once that happens at any one time in wave race which is why i'm struggling to talk about it despite you know ever since i got on the kmx podcast it's always been a joke of like we should do wave race one day and that was like issue yeah. four and now we're like you know 460 <laughs> later and we're like yeah we're gonna do it now i've been waiting for this this a long time to happen just to talk about it but just to try and cram wave race 64 into you know into several paragraphs is, is quite tricky in in audio form but it's, it's just so in tense on the screen and you know the the way you describe the drake lake like it feels crystal clear it feels like a mirror has been displayed on the floor even though it's not because you know the n64 mm. but the way they mm-hmm. do it the contrast between you know like the, the pegs of wood that are sticking out of the ground that they're mm. hard to see and all of a sudden you're like well now i can see them clearly and then it, then it changes again yeah. in, in the third lap i do believe or in another mode it's just like just the way it all evolves around you in subtle ways, but just like drastically changes the course of the game. Cause you feel like you've nailed like, yeah, I've, I've done lap two. And then all of a sudden you just notice a slight change in the tracking. Like I'm not ready for this. There's a, there's, there's a <laughs> yeah. rock like that wasn't there before. I can't get on that ramp anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it's something else. It made the whole, the game world, even though the, the tracks aren't connected in any way, they're all separate, but it made, it made the game world as a whole feel alive. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like Organic. they kind of over-egg the pudding in the next one with like just teams of like wildlife everywhere just to make it more obvious but in Waybro 64 <laughs> it was more organic if in a in a it felt more natural if you know what i mean yeah. it's just like oh yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a there's a tiny little rock surface there now that wasn't there before but it <laughs> changes the whole course of that corner yeah i think like you hear that legendary story here at all i've heard it a hundred times about how miyamoto when designing mario 64 like they they spent all that time just getting the movement of mario right they didn't build a game or anything till they had that movement just completely right and then once they felt like it was perfect then they built the game around it and it <laughs> and that just is an example i think of just the development strategy at the time was just like focusing on what like matters in big air quotes um to the player yeah. and i think wave race just just it knocks that out of the park like yeah there's sure there's fringe things there's a ton of things i could complain about visually or, or like you know some conf- like you know like we talked a little bit before about the flat water off in the distance and the water only reacting to you but but uh to you close to the the racer but as you're playing that game like like they had just kind of like the 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 general aesthetic around you, the way the waves shaped and felt, the way you felt controlling the player, and the sound design with that. Like it just for a pure, purely sensory experience, it's it's hard to criticize it from that perspective because they focused on the things that you were going to be. They focused so hard on those wave physics and the and the way those visuals worked out and the way that the you could navigate through that that water space that. It, it's almost impossible to focus on anything else because it, it just it nailed that feeling on such a level to where you were kind of just willing to look past the other stuff because what you were doing minute to minute was so engaging you couldn't you almost didn't even have time to pay attention to it i'm not sure if that was just a word salad or not but it it feels really good and it seems like they focused on the things that they knew the player would be interact like you know focused on and made sure that just felt excellent and mm-hmm. and that still feels that way to me and i'm not sure if that's nostalgia i'm everything's rose colored glasses we all know that and 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 i yeah. just but you when you when you start when you get going in wave race yeah you you open up the menus like oh this is fuzzy this is grainy wow this text is uh, unnecessarily big and and then but then you you know they count down and the race starts going and then all that stuff just fades and you're just no, there again but I, I think i mean of all of us here i have the least nostalgia for it because i didn't own the game back in the days and yeah. but when i go mm-hmm. back to it um first of all it was a colossal achievement in its time this game was in yeah, in no in a lot of regards and especially the, the parts that brian was just talking about but uh second of all Except for, I'm willing to argue, maybe the sequel, it hasn't really been done, been done to that degree since. So, mm. which is why I think, mm. you know, it's not just nostalgia talking. Yeah, uh, and, and as much as I will sort of go to bat for the way this game looks and, and performs, the thought of a game that was essentially the same as this, but with contemporary visuals, does excite me. Mm. Uh, the one that if it felt as good to play... And had all this, you know, all the same. But try to try to qualities. try to picture that they would obviously mm. go for a lot of realism, right? Like you could do a very mm. photorealistic version of Wave Race, yeah, right now. But it would probably mm. lose a lot of character, also in that sense. Yeah, maybe you'd never. Yeah, yeah. it's very hard to. You'd almost have know. to make it a little bit more exaggerated or cartoony or something. Mm. Yeah. Quiet Paul from the forum again says i never owned wave race when the n64 was my main console but my my neighbor did so we occasionally swap one of my games with him just so i could gawk at the water graphics and physics 
Then, due to having no patience to properly learn the game, I would be soundly beaten by the AI give up and swap back. As of the start of March 2021, I got a, a new smart 4K Ultra HD HDR something something TV and decided I'd test its graphical limits by plugging the N64 into its AV ports and taking to the gelatinous seas of Wave Race 64 once again. And the computer again mopped the floor with me. It took a few practice attempts to get the hang of dealing with the waves and a quick Google YouTube to get all the tips I'd need to actually start winning races. It really takes learning how to deal with waves and obstacles, how to manage corners when the water is choppy versus a calm lake. It means learning each course as the conditions can change from lap to lap, meaning you certainly can't switch off the brain and hold the go button. Once I'd learned and practiced the techniques, I took to championship normal mode and won quite comfortably. I then moved on to hard and after two attempts, I completed that. And after some more time in practice, I eventually beat expert mode. After watching a few speedruns and practicing a bit more with custom Dave Mariner, I realised how easy everything below expert mode is. However, expert mode itself is completely unforgiving. I had one attempt where, in the last race, all I needed was one point to win, so I couldn't lose. However, I led the race all the way to the last lap, and a bad crash meant that everyone overtook me, and simply because I came last in that specific race, despite coming first in the leaderboard... I was disqualified and didn't get a trophy. Yeah. If there's a major downfall in this game, it's that. This being a major reason I've not yet completed reverse mode. The controls are also somewhat obfuscated. I didn't particularly look and I don't have a game manual, but I don't recall anywhere the game telling me that pressing B will level the jet ski and allow me to ride faster or how to drive effectively. I suppose that's where the YouTube speedrun techniques come in handy. The circuits themselves are a lot of fun once you get good at them, and they look, relatively speaking, rather nice. The water effects and physics are nearly spot on, and the backdrops are mostly nice to look at. Although you can definitely see where the physics-based water ends and the surrounding backdrop image of water starts. Also, I'm pretty sure Sunset Bay has you jet skiing in Fanta. I got seriously addicted to creating new records and perfecting each level. I found the game a lot of fun, but I do think the disqualifying rules in the championship mode, which only apply to the player, are a bit harsh. I never played the sequel, and but maybe in the future I'll keep an eye out for it on eBay if it's cheap. Yeah, a few things to talk about there. The, uh, the damping on the B button is like the signature part of the feel of the game for me. Mm like you're pressing it all the time not as in holding it as in tapping it after you come off of every little bump well that's how i play and i, I got pretty good at this game yeah there's also the shoulder button which allows you to cut into the water a bit more uh but i use that less depends on which rider you use uh we'll we'll talk a bit more about that mario style uh waiting uh fanta yes uh we used to call Sunset Bay, Lucas A Lake. <laughs> it was so orangey, although uh, with the PAL sort of distortion of colours, it was uh, slightly more uh, polluted looking. <laughs> uh, and yes, that disqualifying rule, well, yes, that is very much a relic of its time, isn't it? The the sort of, it's yeah, it's that, that type of thing. Like you can be doing well overall, but the game arbitrarily decides you have to get a certain place in a certain yeah. race and you get kicked out. I don't think you'd, you'd get, you wouldn't get that nowadays. And, and it's meaner than uh, the original Super Mario Kart where you at least have mm. several tries to still qualify yeah. in the same race. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh man, but but yeah, no, absolutely like nailing the whole cup and then <laughs> smashing your yeah. jet ski into a corner or a rock or another player or another AI, AI character, so to speak, is just absolutely devastating and heartbreaker. Um, I found I found the AI to be so aggressive, like as, as if they don't. As, I don't know if it happens in the 64 game, but in Blue Storm, I noticed my character mm. actually started like punching, like with animations, like <laughs> slinging their arms out to the right. So, <laughs> Road Rush style. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. It's all automatic, but I, was, I didn't know if that happened in the N64 one or not. I don't remember seeing it. No. But maybe no, they no, should no. have done because they definitely get in your way and they don't care. Yeah. yeah a classic Nintendo racing game AI, isn't it? Mm. But I mean, I, I, I've never found it as infuriating as uh, Super Mario Kart, say. Probably no, because at least you cannot get a red shell whacked against you that's true no red shells but yeah also after i guess for the first few years uh there are there are different as we say different uh weights of rider four different riders after a few years of playing what we used to call the the moats technique because we read an interview at the time with miyamoto saying that he was a just an a button stabber so if he was selecting a character in mario kart he just pressed a a a a until he started so he was always mario so I guess I did that on Wave Race, and it was—is it Akira Hayama? Yeah, was the def- the default hmm. person. Anyway, one yeah. of the one of the most you know regular balance characters. But then uh, I remember reading N sixty four magazine at the time, and they were advocates of, and this was when games would get months and months of coverage in in magazines because there weren't that many games coming out for n64 so you'd get all this really in-depth coverage and you'd get really fun flavor features like when they did um different game themed uh snacks and they did wave race 64 uh virgin cocktails like these blue drinks with ice in and stuff i was i love yeah and they did like second life features as well where oh this is what you can do to get more life out of your old cards or something you know like these kinds of challenges and that sort of thing that's right that's kind of shows how dire sometimes the uh, amount of quality games on offer were yeah Yeah, it's in, it's at very different times, but yeah. it does mean that we rang every drop out of. Uh, and I was obviously, uh, you know, each of you was a little younger than me, to to a lot younger. But uh, I was a mid twenty something at this point, and but I, you know, and I had other consoles, but I was still happy to ring every drop that I could out of yeah. my wave race cart. Yeah. And I remember reading there was essentially saying, "Look, Dave Mariner, he's the big heavy character. Uh, he's the hardest to use, but." If you make these tweaks to his customization, uh, you make his handling tighter and uh, and and so on. You can actually, and then you then you have to really learn the courses, right. and that gives you ultimately it gives you a two huge advantages. It gives you a massive top speed advantage mm-hmm. and a weight advantage, as in you're and you're not going to be the one that gets knocked out of the way by people coming through. You're going to be the one that does that to other people. So yeah, for the last. Uh, I, well, I guess most of my wave race career, I've been a Dave race mm. player, <laughs> but, uh, but, but That's all those hamburgers the flip side is, we'll get to in blue storm you know? too, right? Yeah. He reminds me of, um, of the, the hamburger character out of Buster. Group, <laughs> it always, it's always fascinated me, the customization of the characters, cause yeah. you can do it in F zero X in which I, and GX, mm-hmm. so you, I did it in F zero X a lot. And that is very similar to how I handled one of the, um, one of the characters in that it was kind of it was very much like Dave Mariner. So I, I, I've always played as an all rounder in Wave Race, but thinking about it, maybe I should be playing yeah. as the old Big Dave. 
Yeah, and F Zero G- GX, especially the story mode challenge, you would just oh. throw everything on top speed. That was the only way oh. to win them. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's nothing because that cruel. Even this. if you would just slightly nudge a wall or something, you would the race would be over anyway. So yeah, you might as well throw everything on top speed. Yeah, I mean the flip side of playing as Dave is if you do get your line wrong, uh, it takes so long to get going again and re re get back on to the you know, your racing line. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you don't preempt the boys, you will miss multiple boys, and it's easy to act because you can, we haven't said, but you can get game overed early in a race yeah. if you miss uh, five. So yeah, oh, but it's yeah. so satisfying it, just cutting around a boy on purpose, you know, in the wrong direction because yes. left is yellow and red is right. But if you want to yes. just take a cheeky shortcut and have one of the five, you know, allowances that you can get, or is it four and then five and you're out? But it's like. You know, yeah. it's lap three. I can see the finish. There's three oh, yeah. boys yeah. that I can just cruise yeah. past and get to the end. Sunset Bay every, yeah, time. every time. The last. Yep. <laughs> the last the risk reward on that is just incredible. And there are some like, you know, visual annoyances. Like I feel like those those metal spiky balls they drop in the ocean are a bit kind of crusty and a bit like, really? Like you couldn't have had like two different types of obstacle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's all very, cut, you know, copy and paste. And that, But again, like we said earlier on, you kind of push them to one side and go okay that's just the thing i need to dodge now and it might not look the best but you know i'll I'll take it because the rest of the game is splashing good fun yeah so the championship there's six courses in normal seven in hard eight in expert and reverse and reverse i'd forgotten about uh darren reminded me so i was expecting mirror mode after expert but it's not mirror it's reverse (laughs) meaning that the ramps that you go up in normal going around the right way are just facing the other way i forgot all about it and you're cruising around (laughs) one of the levels and it's just a wall of wood in front of your face and you're like well i've got to go around this and it's just absurd that they do that and i i love it because of it it's just like no you know deal with it (laughs) this game isn't like you know the the fun fluid game you know is it used to be now it's like no everything's backwards and we're not turning the ramps around for your enjoyment there's something there's something absolutely brutal about getting Dave Mariner up to top speed and then just flat slamming one of those walls and he goes flying. I did it. You really the, can I did, go it, flying, I did yeah. it like two or three days ago. I was coming around a corner, playing in reverse, just kind of you know working my way back through the modes. And I turn around the corner and I'm like, like, oh yeah, there's a there's a ramp up here. I think <laughs> I turned it just whack right into the thing and uh, poor Dave. Style. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of dolphins featured in this game. And uh, there's a, a, a selection of inputs and stuff that you can do to get dolphins on the title sequence mm. and dolphins that you can ride. This was uh, as ubiquitous a part of my Wave Race 64 as it was with the uh, with the panda and the silver and gold people in the 1080 game. <laughs> it was all part, again, it was just like stuff that it would seem so, such a minor extra inclusion in a game now just to have extra, you know, silliness. But back then these were... These were big secrets that were worth exploring. Yeah. You can ride a dolphin and barrel, yeah. barrel roll it off a ramp. It looks brilliant. Yes. Yeah. I always worried about their tummies going up. The ramp, but... <laughs> you can even do it on a and giant And their tummy one, bananas. Right? You can get a massive dolphin and ride on that. It's yeah, like there's some, and there's size. there's thing where you can lure, you keep doing lap, perfect That's laps it. and eventually you get a whole school of dolphins right. following yeah, you. Yeah. 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 But we must talk a little about stunt mode as well, because I played a lot of this. Mm. Uh, we used to pass the controller, uh, me and my friend Pete, back in the day. And it was one of those, uh, it was very um, trials or almost Super Meat Boy-like experience where if you made a bum start, you would just 
like start restart you know that it was that it was that it was like if you don't nail it everything perfectly and in the end it can become a bit wearing because you know that you've got to do like the perfect run to even compete with the scores that you've you've come up with before but it's got a really uh nice hooky system of multipliers where you can miss the rings but if you do you basically destroy your score so uh and there's a really really tight time limit on it all as well uh and you get hugely rewarded for variety so a bit like tony hawk if you keep doing the same trick over and over again you get uh diminishing returns and yeah uh i don't think i could play it well now after all this time it would take me a long time to get back into it but yeah there was a there's a leaderboard on the cartridge and uh, you could use your attachable memory pack to merge your leaderboard with with a friends and uh gosh this was um addictive stuff i found yeah me my friends and i went down this rabbit hole pretty hard we, great we, brilliant we did the thing where uh we didn't really merge leaderboards via memory card we would we would kind of practice at our own places and then like my friend my other friend whose name is also brian his house was like it was like basically he had like the championship edition cart that was like the official record you know we'd go there we'd <laughs> gotcha, try to get gotcha. our our stuff on yeah it was just a blast um to to to, to do that and then to, mm-hmm. to fight against each other's scores you know kind of you know offline leaderboards <laughs> you know it's, it's it was really really fond memories of that just sitting next to each other and just egging each other on to somebody blowing a stunt and everybody just laughing at them you know it's just good Great old-fashioned times. yeah exactly yeah no yeah we were saying on the n64 podcast about the 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 memory pack situation allowed you to sort of create a proto friends leaderboard if you if you could transfer you could actually merge your your scores with the friends uh and times times as well and the, one of the things i still love about this game is that the the time attack mode is not distinct from the championship mode so if you set a best time in the championship that becomes your time at your best time is that right i think that's right i think so, so yeah. it, it rec- you know it does recognize it as a new personal best and stuff like that it seems to be yeah. the case uh but the stunt mode uh for me was purely a vessel to see the animations of the backflips and the yeah okay you know we didn't take it overly seriously it was more like you know i wanted to do the tricks during a race but i didn't want to risk it so <laughs> once i learned the hard way that you know me trying to you can ride on the handlebars, can't you, on purpose, like for a long time. You can do yes, your thing yeah. and stay on it. Yeah. And you can ride on the front of the... Yeah, you can do all sorts and stay on these positions. And I've always wanted to showboat, you know, because everyone handstands over the finishing line, don't they, right? And uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then you see your character get back down from the handstand. You're like, oh, man, I'm wicked. What I'll do next is I'll ride on the front of the jet ski in the final race on this cup and I'll lose it. And I'll be like, oh, why did I bother doing that? So the stunt, <laughs> the stunt mode for me allowed me yeah. to have that kind of you know, satisfaction of being basically a show off. Yeah. I read this earlier and I'd kind of forgotten it and I'm not sure if I ever got it to work, but I do remember it being a thing. IGN said, press start as soon as you complete a stunt. If done correctly, all sounds should stop except for the announcer. You want to pause the game as soon as the announcer starts talking over after you do a stunt. If done correctly, you can get up to 30,000 points on a level. Sounds like a bug. Yes, I think it's effectively a bug. It's like the old uh, the old Tatsujin one where you press start when your smart bomb hits and it carries on doing damage. Yeah. It's that kind of situation. Ian, Ian, People, need, people need to have a Darren for that to sort that stuff out before it gets released. <laughs> yeah, QA. Where is it now? 
Ian Ian Ianson from the forum says, Wave Race 64 felt like pure magic when it released and is still impressive today. The way the player reacts to the movement of the waves just feels incredible and looks great. There are still very few games that bother to create such a believable relationship between a character and a body of water. The N64's mastery of transparencies also really put even the top-tier 3DFX games to shame at the time graphically. The water looks crystal clear, but also shows off depth very nicely too. That opening song on the attract sequence is just cheesy perfection too. Blue Storm was too difficult for me and didn't click for some reason. Mm. And before we move on to Blue Storm, um, I think one thing we kind of gloss over is just how genius the whole racing setup of uh, Wave Race 64 is that you have a track layout, pretty much, which is fairly basic. But then there are the waves to consider, which change the track. And from round to round, the layout or the 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 the, the waves change, the tide changes, the the tracks, yes. um, the tracks kind of uh, yeah change from from round to round, from lap mm-hmm. to lap, and difficulty from to from difficulty, yeah. difficulty. So... and then the buoy system, buoy system layer <laughs> on top of that <laughs> means that you can completely alter the way a track is played just by rearranging the buoys. So it's yeah. so it's such yeah, a flex, yeah. it's, a, it's such yeah. a, a a flexible system. Like you, they, you can make yeah, you can do so much with so little. But yeah, so little is not very accurate because there's a lot going on there, of course. Yeah, okay. um, no, I see what you mean. And yeah, and then just the, the the sense of control that you have, where there's something so satisfying to me about both Wave Race sixty four and Blue Storm, where pulling back on the stick and then notching to left and right, you can make these really sharp turns that you can mm-hmm. do in a regular racing game. Uh, and just, you know, you need to let go very fast again uh, because you don't want to oversteer. Yeah. All this stuff compounds into such a, such a genius racing game that goes beyond, oh, this is just a racing game on water. You know? Yeah. But Something like the- Hydro Thunder doesn't, doesn't come close because no. that's pretty much what it is. It's just like, okay, they might as well be flying around in space at this moment you yeah know? yeah and that's the nature of a jet ski isn't it it doesn't turn unless you've got a bit of power so what you need yeah. to do is kind of feather the a button to get a little bit of you know a movement you know kind of energy is not the right mm. word but you know like you want to move forward ever so slightly and yeah. pull hard left or hard right on the stick to and get- shifting your weight around uh, this game would not have been as good previous jenny even without the technical massive technical leap uh, in terms of 3d graphics and, and realism without the analog stick no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can feel it. 100%. I think it benefits as much from the analog as uh, yeah. as Pilot Wing sixty four did, or even yeah, Super Mario sixty four. Mm. It just wouldn't have been the same experience. Yeah, absolutely. Prior to this, yeah. So it's the controls. It's how much nuance there is uh, with the, the track layouts and how how changeable they are that oh, really make it, this into something super special. And just the pressure that that is put upon you to you know you must hit this level to advance to the next round like the sheer amount of tension that just built upon that it's just like no i need to i need to finish third to get the points to move on you know some people might find that too hard but for me it put me bolt upright no i need to focus on this and uh yeah i need to move to the next round and you know admittedly on the wii u version that i was playing i on the um the expert cup i did use the save states to get through to it but i definitely gave it a good shot you know once or twice beforehand to get the pure the raw feeling of wave racing yeah. is just yeah. like, no, I, yeah. I need to absolutely 
you know, because in Mario Kart, you can kind of knock the kind of the guys out. Like if Wario's your rival, so to speak, or in F-Zero GX or X, you can actually like eliminate them from the course. But yeah. in Wave Race, you've got very little in the way of actual kind of combat or, you know, you, so you yeah. really have to focus on your own performance. And hopefully you see, you know, the person at the top of the leaderboard smash into a buoy or, yeah. or a rock or something. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's just... um. There's a yeah. lot of memorization you can do to become good at this game. Just knowing, in okay, in exactly this lap, mm. this wave is going to going to hit from there. If I yeah. ride straight on top of it over the the, the back of the wave, then I can just scoot ahead without yeah. being inhibited by oncoming waves and really gain a lot of speed there. Yeah, it it's really crazy when you think about it. The amount of variables. It reminded me retroactively of Burnout Two Point of Impact for that. I mean, they're like lap, lap mm. two. I know this car's coming round at the mm. you know the twenty seven. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely yeah. a bit of that going. It's true. Although there are a lot of variables, the actual mm. the 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 sea will be the same each time you play a particular course on a particular yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. difficulty. Yeah, it just, it just yeah. reminded me briefly. Yeah, but in like in Marine Fortress, for example, you've got those two. And I thought that I can mention waves in a in a in a racing game. Just shows how yeah how crucial yeah. they are. But you've yeah. got the two very harsh waves at the start that you can bob over that. Yeah, to lap. get over yeah. the first groin. But the, yeah. the second lap, they're, they're ever so slightly behind your expectations because the first That's time right. you bounced over them. And on yeah. the third Every one, I, oh, yeah, I hit my head on a rock. That's exactly yeah. what I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, depends at what exactly what point you come around as well because the, the sea will still be happening whether you're there or not. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's so, fascinating. Yeah, it depends. And yeah, that that course as well, of course, also has the the big chain gate that opens after one lap. Yeah, and you know, on the, the higher difficulty the boxes that get dropped into the water to further. Oh yeah, you know, obstacle yeah. or obstacate. I don't know what the right word is, but yeah, they they definitely like obstacate. <laughs> That's the new stacks of steam. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, just and you can just feel yourself growing towards them, like the water's either pushing you or there's some sort of gravitational pull. You're like, I don't, I'm not going to hit the box. I've hit the box. Brilliant. You know what I mean? You can, or you can over surf over them if the, the, the bob of the box is good enough. You know what I mean? You can actually cruise over the top of it and it's just, yeah, it absolutely ticks most of the boxes for me in terms of N64 gaming. It is, it is fascinating. So it was a change of developer because Nintendo EAD was super busy, I guess, at the start of the, uh, for the, the lead up to the launch of the GameCube with, Luigi's Mansion and I'm not sure what else they would have been working on but stuff probably Mario trying to get that ready and Zelda and stuff Pikmin. so Smash Bros it was probably had a bit of a Pikmin yeah so the recently ish uh, created American first party developer Nintendo Software Technology took over the reins uh, they previously had done a couple of Game Boy Color games they did Ridge Racer 64, which was obviously a port of an existing hmm. Namco game. And they did Pokemon Puzzle League, which was effectively just a port of intelligent systems paneled upon, but with Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So this was really their first big, certainly obviously next gen at this point project. So it was a pretty big, a pretty big ask, I would have said, mm. uh, to make a, a full blown sequel to an early but pretty well loved N64 title. Shigeki Yamashiro was uh, given the director role. Uh, he has credits on a good deal of Nintendo stuff, but most of it being the other NST games, which are, uh, include a lot of Mario versus Donkey Kong and the minis series, mm. uh, of which there have been many. I've lost track of them. <laughs> yes. 
totally. Uh, NST co-founder Minoru Arakawa was uh, the one of the producers, along with uh, Miyamoto and uh, Yamashiro again. Composers were Americans, I believe, Lawrence Schwedler, Schwedler and James Philipson. And Rory Johnston was in charge of the audio. The game came out in Japan first, September 2001. Was that GameCube launch day? Probably. Uh, November 2001 for America and May the 3rd, 2002 in the PAL territories. Metacritic was slightly less successful than the N64 game, down to an 80 out of 100. And the game's sales, as far as I can find out, were not very strong really mm. uh, no, I know the GameCube didn't do massively well uh, I, I can't remember which I think the N64 sold more even though it wasn't a huge huge seller but uh, so the game sold 0.6 million like 600,000 copies I was surprised to see it that low if that's accurate that's the only figure I could find yeah it's interesting because the N64, even though it clearly lost against the first PlayStation in terms of market share, was a super big deal when it came out. Whereas the GameCube, oh, yeah. Yeah. at that point, I think was in the larger market. I, I mean, I was totally into the GameCube, but in the, the wider market, it was more seen as a kind of an also-ran console, mm. right? A novelty, and, a toy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, there there was that are, like oh, the on, stigma Brian. that... Maybe not stigma is not the right word, but you know you had these all of this preview coverage for the PlayStation Two coming out and like the the images of Tekken was the Tekken tag was yeah. uh, came out with that and yeah. then and then like you're like oh I wonder what you know who are the other big players what's Nintendo gonna do and they're like oh we're using mini discs and like you know like it just seemed like mm. a little purple yeah box a little purple box a, a mini bit and don't get me wrong Nintendo does and like I was excited as a fan of Nintendo products but I could yeah. definitely see I love it my coming GameCube. like. I don't know what's called not a joke. There's there's I, yeah. I'm struggling to find the right word, but just no. not taken as seriously as I, the I other think players. so, yeah. You ha- you had to be a fan of Nintendo to be excited about the GameCube, I think. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, Especially as they failed to launch without Mario or Zelda. Yeah. And and that yeah. went that went for me. I was a fan of Nintendo, so I was all about the GameCube. But um yes. yeah, y- Super Monkey Ball, for goodness sake. <laughs> for goodness sake. And, and then but then the thing is, of course, because of that sort of lesser interest in the GameCube than there was in the N64, there are automatically a lot less eyes on something like a new wave race game. Yeah, of course. And as I say, as much as the first, or the the, not the first one, the previous one was uh, a well-liked, popular, and reasonably good-selling game, uh, it was still a sort of a niche title compared to Mario Kart or Mario 64. Punter-wise, reviews have it from users on Nintendo Life at uh, 8.1 from 236 folks, so just a little lower than Wave Race 64. And similarly on Metacritic, 7.9 out of 10, but that's only 34 people. So yeah, obviously it it is obviously a sequel. Uh, It's called Blue Storm, which, yeah, I suppose they weren't going to call it Wave Race GameCube or GC, so call it something evocative yeah, there was not, none of it's, that on the gamecube well no, uh, we were all no. expecting 128s you know <laughs> super mario 128 yeah. wavery's 128 but good yeah, point never happened pikmin 
Yeah. You think like the logic from like uh, 1080 Avalanche is White Storm in Japan, right? So they they brought out right. Blue Storm. Yeah. Oh, I and, didn't know that. Oh, yeah, cool. it's called White Storm, yeah. and so I'm wondering if at some point they were going to call it like this was first tsunami though. or something, but there was some tragedy going on that made them change it. I'm pure guessing there, but like if they've called one yeah, of them Avalanche, sounds feasible. And then, you know, there must in my head the the Blue Storm title just seems there is a logic. Just to seems that. a little bit kind of like limp if you know what i mean like it, it's it doesn't doesn't really say anything no, it doesn't, it, and it doesn't anything. marry up with the avalanche title they bolted on to the snowboarding sequel do you know what i mean like it kind of mm. they, they, if they wanted to like have some like um you know parallel kind of universe going on in terms of like these two things coming together like parallel yeah. running and i and mean not as in like, obviously, there's crossover characters yeah, that's it. if yeah. they wanted to do that then yeah. i'd imagine this wave wave would have been called something like more to do with that that makes a, a lot of sense but yeah rather than just blue storm. as a yeah. Yes, and maybe maybe at the the American part of the studio they thought tsunami was. We, we are just extrapolating yeah, here, but if they they might have said yes, yeah, tsunami sounded great, but then the Japanese people have said yeah, actually that's a bit of a sensitive yeah, topic. Yeah. Again, oh, this is yeah. this is all Ganon now. This all really happened. <laughs> yep. <exactly. Yeah. laughs> Fact. Well, you know, maybe it was called like tsunami crazy, and then they played the game and went, actually, it's not. It's not that bonkers, is it? On the on the waters, it's not as <laughs> the waves aren't yeah, that big. Well, let's yeah. just call it blue storm, shall we? Because there there are storms, sure. And it's got that weird little character, which for me always like. I think the like the box art and the manual, everything yeah, the blue looked pretty devil nice. Kind of thingy. But that little that little character yeah. was all it rang alarm bells for me. It's like it's an this extreme is not sports the, uh, yeah. sort of yeah, sticker. Yeah, this is not my wave kind of race. Thing, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit try hard. Um, it kind of fits in with the for me personally, like that attitude era of you know like. Yeah. WWF kind of going all attitude and everything had an edge to it and you know Limp Biscuit and all that yeah. I mean it had to be angry guys stomping down on ramps yeah you yeah. know I, I, if, if Red Durst was in this game as an unlockable character it wouldn't surprise me you know what I mean because it, it had <laughs> that kind of edge it, it, it was trying you know and it, it didn't fit with the GameCube's vibe for me like I've got a lot of kind of whenever I play Blue Storm I, I play it for the noises on the menu and the way the menus like and the loading screen and stuff because it all feeds into the launch of the console and that's where the nostalgia comes from mm. but kind of like like you say the little blue tasmanian devil looking thing like someone's mm. just drawn a scribble with arms and put it on a jet ski <laughs> it doesn't fit with the the monkey ball the luigi and then okay. you've got this kind of nondescript blue thing on a jet ski okay like, okay okay i guess they were going for the u.s market uh, it's it's a much more American feeling game than it than really the original, is uh, the, the, yeah. than the N sixty four. Yeah, there's there's a lot of aspects to it that uh, that's what I was thinking when I was playing it uh, just the other day. It did feel like they were, I'm not sure if they were trying to widen the the base necessarily, but maybe just specifically appeal to a certain type of player in a way. And and I'm not sure they were all that successful. I mean, obviously the sales yeah. speak for themselves. What I like about it, though, is that it doesn't go all the way. I mean, there was some Japanese supervision there. And if you look mm. at the characters, the way they're sketched in the manual, they look quite stylish. It doesn't go all the way into acclaim BMX triple X territory right. or anything no, like that. Like, no, no. Yeah, or, or Dave Mira's freestyle BMX or whatever those, game, those games were. Like the, you know, like the, the, the Tony Hawk knockoffs. So I think there is still enough character for me there for me to uh, have warm and fuzzy feelings towards Blue Storm. And maybe this is also because this was the Wave, Ra- Wave Race game that I actually bought, that I didn't uh, boycott, yes. that I have maybe for you guys, I-, I have a lot more affinity for it. 
And I'm maybe contradicting myself a little bit with what I said to you, Leon, earlier that, you know, the higher degree of realism uh, or photorealism might not be uh, in service of the game, but it's just such a beautiful looking game, I feel, Wayfarer's Blue Storm is. And a big part of that is uh, the higher amount of detail in the environments to me, which, which uh, Darren was earlier on deriding a bit. Um, and also then just the pure transparency you know, in 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 clear weather conditions, you could see under the waves and you could see the beach and, you know, uh, yeah. fauna, uh, water fauna just swimming under the water and, and stuff like that. Uh, I was I was really I was really impressed. Yeah, for, I was so excited for, for this game because of the graphics, because obviously, uh, I mean, I remember screenshots from GameCube games leading up to the release of that machine. I thought generally they were way more enticing well, to me, they were than anything I'd seen on the PS2 mm. up to this point. Looking at the visuals of Luigi's Mansion and Super Monkey Ball, and uh, what was the other big one? Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron. Of course, Rogue Squadron. Yeah, it looked am- like what Rogue Leader. It. it looked amazing to yeah. me, and this this was part of that. So even though I obviously I was still playing N64 right up until the release and even beyond of the GameCube, I was aware that these. these particular visuals with the n64 were starting to look a bit creaky and fuzzy and blurry and foggy and all that vaseline stuff and the thought of playing a game that felt like wave race 64 but looked like this uh was so oh yeah i was it was absolutely like it was level on my day one excitement with rogue leader and monkey ball with uh luigi's mansion being just a little bit that's also an interesting comparison Uh, with the ps2 because these la- GameCube launch titles looked so rich in in their color schemes, where yeah. a lot of the uh, early PS2 releases looked quite kind of drab. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And th- that it went that way for a while, I think, in my opinion. Just like the the art style of like serious video games was like very brown, gray, black. I mean, just you did you lost out on a color palette there for a long time. Maybe it was a little bit more difficult. Nintendo kind of was always that beacon of bright, flashy kind of. Uh, you know, like just more refined kind of uh, uh, appealing art style. Um, the thing that I I remember vividly about booting it up for the first time that I did not feel about Waver sixty four is like as soon as you turn this game on, they're like, oh, they want me to look at the water. Yeah, you know, like yeah. the menu screen has the ripples. Every loading screen for the yeah, yeah, the start then, uh, was an icon you could already move around exactly. through the water and draw ripples. Like, yeah, if you you know if there's going to be bad weather on the race that you're entering, the loading screen is the water, but then the rain starts falling on it. Yeah. It's, well, that was it's nice. very, very impressive, nice. very yeah. impressive. Still, t- still today, but I mean, like, I don't. It it did feel to me, and I at the time, and and it felt this way again playing it the other day. Like, it did feel a little gimmicky in a way. The first one didn't. I don't know, like. Like, this is what you're here for, that we're going to throw it in your face every time we can, where, like, Wave Race 64 just kind of felt more like, hey, you know, get into the game, you'll experience it there kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe that's just me yeah. unfairly well, comparing the two. That's exactly the reason why I played Wave Race Blue Storm, was be- it was to see the water and yeah. the menu screen. You know, every time you press something on the menu, it dipped into this water, and you can move this yeah. little glass pebble around to ripple the water. Like, it was kind of a 3D <laughs> benchmark for me for the GameCube. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, look how cool this game is uh, in terms of visuals because it was pushing graphics to a new level for me and uh yeah you know i found the gameplay and even all the splash effects on the camera when yeah yeah it's just it's rubbing over the the waves but the actual environments themselves for me they felt a little bit eternal darkness if you know what i mean there's kind of like a weird kind of vibe (laughs) about them 
you know, some people may love the look of Eternal Darkness, but I saw some of the environments and I was like, they all look really wooden. Like in terms of like, I can't really explain mm. it, but there was there was a lack of finish to it that kind of reminded me of an N64 game. Bizarrely, it was just a bit like, oh dear, yeah, like <laughs> no, like there's a kind of a stained glass window in is it it's Storm Castle Keep or something, and it all it just reminded me mm. of like a kind of a very kind of sterile looking Eternal Darkness arena. It was kind of yeah the. There's a there's a lack of um, Nintendo polish to Blue Storm's overall kind of aesthetic for me personally. That kind of well, it feeds into like the um the, again the Blue Devil on the front cover that you never see in the rest of the game at all. Really, you see him in the menus here and there, but he's not really a playable mm. character. You know, I was kind of hoping for a bit more character, I guess, from the world, and I found that lacking. But the water itself, yeah, that that you can tell that the the pitch for this game was. Well, the GameCube got, has got lots of power. How about we make a, a game that has lots of water? And uh, you know, the... Well, it looks really pretty, but for me, the key issue with this game is that it never felt as cool to play it as the N64 game. The, the, the water, as you, I think you described it the other day, felt flat, yeah. even though there's way more weather conditions oh, yeah. in this and more extremes. Uh whether it's the handling of the watercraft or the physics of the water itself or the marriage between the two i'm not saying this game is this game is not is absolutely like not a horrendous game or you know i don't hate it at all but it always felt a little bit clinical after the the just the sheer kinetic joy yeah, of wave race 64 it's funny that, that you mentioned or someone mentioned uh, like lucas aid lake or whatever and fanta in the in the original game because the way I describe these two games in my head to myself is like the N64 game feels like, you know, fizzy pop. And this feels like the fizzy pop that you've left out for a week because the water for me <laughs> just didn't, it didn't really, and you, I, I love the fact that you can choose a course under certain weather conditions. Cause if you struggle with a course and you want it to be sunny, that's, yeah. I think that's, I think that's genius. Like, I yep, actually really cool. like that's that idea. Yep. And yeah, again, it's, it's another layer on top that changes the way a track functions yeah because you can have like four or five different variations of a track you know in yeah. like you would yeah. i think that's brilliant but the water it doesn't seem to fight my jet ski in the ways that i find it satisfying mm. i find it rather annoying that sometimes i can't turn right in a very clear looking yeah i think area. i think that sure. the big difference uh is uh maybe not even the water physics but the handling of the crafts mm. because um for lack of a better word there's a fluidity to the handling in wayfair 64 mm. where it's mm -hmm. kind of it feels more arcadey and more smooth i guess where maybe in blue storm they attempted to go for something a little bit more realistic and it feels uh, more skittish as a as a result the the handling in uh, in blue storm does um i think one of the major things is that as soon as your craft leaves the waves and uh, jumps up in Blue Storm, you lose all control over it. And uh, whereas in uh, Wave Race 64, you could still steer yeah. it and correct it a little bit. Um, yeah, so, yeah, which, so is, which which leads yeah. to Wave Race Blue Storm just having too many moments where you feel like you're not in control. And I think that the course is there's far too many kind of tight turns where you can't see the boys. You know what I mean? Like I end yeah. up turning yeah. a corner and missing one. I'm thinking, well, I never even saw it. I feel yeah, like yeah. in 64, that was like, that was maybe one in, you know, 50 chance yeah. of that happening. And, but in this one, it was far too many times I turned a corner. I was like, I didn't even realize there was one over there. Yeah. You know? There's also that, that leads into another complaint that I have is that the telegraphing of where the course actually goes is, is 
much worse than, in my opinion, than 64. I think part of it is because mm-hmm. a lot of the areas are, areas are a lot wider. There's a lot more yeah. open space Shoot. there. But it, it just like it, there were some there were some times and uh, it, just revisiting it where I turn a corner and I wouldn't have a buoy in my in my field of view. And I'd be like, wait a minute, which way do I go? And I could find myself getting turned around. And it's not like that fun. I screwed up. Oh, I went the wrong way. Mrs. Buoy on the wrong side. And like mm-hmm. I felt like it wasn't it wasn't by my own lack of skill or observation. It was just kind of the game not doing enough to point me in the right direction, um, mm-hmm. which I didn't feel at all about 64. 64 felt very clear where I was supposed to go. It was just on me to not screw up getting there. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like this had the opposite problem. I definitely agree there. Uh, for me, it wasn't a huge issue because I expected to have to memorize these tracks anyway. You know, like mm-hmm. you, you never the first mm-hmm. time you're doing them, you're never going to do very well uh but it's yeah it's that de- it's definitely um a point where the game is not as tightly designed as wayfair 64 is yeah yeah it, yeah you know playing blue storm i felt very similar to avalanche in terms of pretty much it's very rarely that i can translate my emotions from one game to another and here i felt kind mm. of the same you know like i really enjoyed 1080 snowboarding and i really enjoyed Wayfair yeah, 64 same here. But yeah. these two sequels, for me, they very similarly tread the same path. Of like, I, 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 I see what they're going for, but it just kind of misses the mark on pretty much all fronts. Yeah. And for want of better descriptors and adjectives and actual analysis, it's, it's that thing where if I was just trying to write like a one paragraph review, I'd say they, the sequels feel like they've got less soul. Mm. Yeah, they feel feel more, you know, like they they they're more. They might be in some ways more advanced technically, but the yeah, just like the magic, the vibe, the X factor, uh, in both cases, was just lacking. Yeah, we uh, the, this is very reminiscent of the discussion that we were having, of yes. course, in um that show. For me personally, mm-hmm. the main difference being that I actually got an eighty degree snowboarding on the N sixty four, and yeah, I I might. You know, it's just like the 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 difference in affinity there is is there for me where I have more yeah, yeah. history with Blue Storm, <laughs> so I ha- I have more strong feelings towards it. Whereas Avalanche was yeah. also for me something that I picked up like a couple of years after its release, and then even sold off later again. Mm. Um, yeah. But I think it goes for both games that I do see them as kind of inferior sequels. But there's also at the same time a lot that they do right or better than their predecessors. Or at least there's a lot to love there about some of the things that do really well that I do think they get maybe treated a bit, little bit unfairly because I think yeah. both Blue Storm and Avalanche are in their own right still pretty damn good games. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, agree. I, played, I played up to Expert today on my, uh, on my GameCube and I found myself... Once I'd gotten round to the notion of I can't do this on my jet ski, but I can do this. I, yeah. de- I definitely kind of, it, you know, I, I enjoyed myself to a degree. I was just like, I was tensing up. I was like, you know, I managed to beat the hard cup with a lot of, de- you know, like focus and dedication. And it, it gave me the sort of similar vibes as a uh, 64. Yeah. But the, the kind of the way I describe in my head about Blue Storm is that I, I used to put Blue Storm on to look at, whereas I put 64 on to play. And I yeah. think that's exactly the same way with the 1080 games as well. Mm. Yeah, it's um, 
yeah. you know, I, I could repeat myself over and over and over again, but I feel like literally across all fronts in terms of like music and sound design, it, it kind of yeah. it inherently picks up some of the things that I liked about 64 because they're going for a similar thing, you know, with like the overview of the map and that. But it, it misses a few of the jingles and it misses a few of the things. And that's not to say you should just completely just lift yeah. what the 64 game did. But it no, seems no. to just kind of just, it doesn't get it. Yeah. But it also, because it's, it's a way, very sequel, it inherently picks up a lot of things that I like about it. But it seems to just miss that character that the 64 version had. Yeah. yeah. I like, I much prefer the music in the N64 game. I, I'm really not a fan of much of the music of... Mm blue storm at all uh just don't dig the vibe don't dig the instruments used um and combine that with the mostly fairly obnoxious team chiefs uh i would just i would just willing to have the cheesy muzak <laughs> and the and the insane announcer from yeah. the n64 back all the time mm. yeah the the whole chief thing like i like i get it like but it doesn't like when I when I first booted that game up and I saw, hey, you got like a crew chief. I'm like, oh, am I going to be able to like cut, like am I going to get this is an evolution on the last game. Maybe I'll get like stat points to put into my racer like or I can like change out parts on my, you know, on my jet ski because I've got a crew chief. And then it just turns out crew chief is just the guy who's going to yell at you a bunch during the yeah. game. Guy or girl, you know, um, that was kind of like a, a bit of a letdown kind of. And I think Darren already said something very similar to this. So I'm sorry if it's too samey, but it just it was trying so many of the things that wave wave race 64 did without doing them kind of as well it looked certainly looked better but it didn't do the actual game part of it as well and then when you start to kind of piece in like the the details around the side the music the way everything kind of looks and and it just it just all fell a little flat and it's it's really kind of surprising it's not like normally when you talk about a sequel that you, you don't like as much as the originals because they went in a different direction or they might have changed some core mechanic and Nothing really changed except for the feel, and it's it's hard to capture that because I I don't know, you know, because because as you hear us talking about it, it's almost hard to describe that feel coherently, mm. let alone recreate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think for me, if I try to look at these two games as objectively as possible, the feel is definitely not as good as in Wave Race sixty four, um, but yeah, the 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 different weather conditions and just you know how how pretty the water looked and everything did oh, yeah. uh, make me feel very positive towards it. You yeah. know the, the the recreation of an N sixty four track or two, like you can clearly see the benefits of the new visuals because like even though I did kind of use the over you know I did say the overuse of the um you know the 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 life in the water was kind of you know, trying too hard. It clearly shows the power of the GameCube. And yeah, you know, you see turtles and the coral reef and all that. And I think it's Southern yeah. Island, right? Where you've got the, the pirate ship underwater and that. Like, just to see that recreated was a bit of a like, oh yeah, they did that kind of thing. And it's cool to see old oh, yeah. locations get revamped, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah. Th th there's there's enough to like in Blue Storm. Um, but yeah. if I was to put either of them on for a, for a jolly, it would never be Blue Storm, unfortunately. The Turbo Boost made a comeback, though, from the Game Boy game. Uh, do any of us feel that it added something? Like it gives you that little buzz on a straight where you actually feel you can get back into a race, whereas maybe on the on the 64, you, if you're out, you're out. You so the, the way I, I used it, 
completely and without question, because I feel like if I didn't use it on a wide open straightaway, I would screw up my controls yeah, so yeah, bad that I'd go. Yeah. But like there were a couple and I forget the name of the level. Uh, man, I'm going to drive me crazy now. Um, but uh, that where it, you were, it's kind of like the, the City Harbor one where you're kind of going in between the tugboats. Yeah. Is that what's called? Yeah. yeah. Um, at the end. The, so the end of that race is like like three or four buoys that are t- on the left in like this big curving arc. Don't mm-hmm. just save my turbo for right at the end and skip That's past it. all of them yeah. and just blow right to the yeah. finish. Mm-hmm. I could normally play some good catch up doing that, but other than that, I didn't really use it because I felt I it took all the control away from me. Um, and and there are and other ways to use like a that. turbo as well, and which is there are quite a lot of shortcuts in the different tracks in this game, and mm. if you yeah. the the turbo is usually a safe way to cross those sh- shortcuts, especially the high flying ones. Uh, that if you don't if you don't use turbos there, it's very likely you'll end up you know falling down somewhere or 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 yeah not not just quite making the jumps that you need to make and things like that. See, I like the idea of the turbo because it gives you a chance to catch up. But the rubber it's band like the speed the speed mushrooms in uh, in Mario well, Kart. You know? I was gonna say yeah, it reminds me of Mario Kart sixty four with the golden one. No matter how many times you pressed it, Wario was always right behind me. Or you know, <laughs> it just seemed like I used to turbo. And it was like, oh, they're still mm. just next to me. Okay, cool. Like, it didn't really seem, unless I was kind of in a Mario Kart 8 fashion using the star to cut across the grass. And, you know, if I was using the turbo for a shortcut or a ramp to jump over a bridge or something, it didn't really seem much kind of benefit to just a general usage. Because as Brian said, if you were to use it in a in a kind of a, a tense moment on the water, you end up coming into a very sharp corner and the turbo ain't going to stop anytime soon. And you do just go careering off and then... Once you fight, once you fail once, more so than the sixty-four game, I found it very hard to get back into the mix. And especially if you like beached yourself on a mm. on a platform or something and like that. In this, you can mash the A button to get yet. back on quicker, and the animation does look a bit daft. But at least they have that kind of recoverability. But it's still not quick enough. Yeah. Like they they need like a Lakitu to pull them out of the water and get them back and straight onto the uh, Lakitu from Mario Kart Eight. Like he lifts yeah. them straight back onto the platform, onto the uh, course. Yeah. Whereas in Blue Storm, it's like. Have they hit the bottom of the sea? Where 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 are they? Hello, come back. <laughs> I think it's quite telling that when I first got my GameCube, like after playing Wave Race in multiplayer with uh, my main Nintendo friend Pete for several years, I reckon we only played Blue Storm twice, mm. maybe. Uh, Monkey Ball just smashed it out of sight for multiplayer early GameCube sessions. You know, local local knockabout fun. I can't tell you if I ever played Blue Storm multiplayer. I'm sure I must have. I mean, there must have been some night where we yeah. sat on try it, but but certainly nothing memorable, you know. And not yeah. not just to take a shot. It's at the it's, game, it's the kind of thing like if 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 your opponent doesn't know the tracks as well, they're just going to lose point blank, you know. Right. Yeah. Nothing much you can do about Good it. Point. So yeah. that that makes it uh, not not very exciting. Yeah. And similarly, I I don't remember putting or just yeah, I didn't feel anywhere near as motivated enough. To as as much to put time into either the the stunts or the time attacking i'm sure i did a bit but i certainly didn't get hooked on those modes like i did on the the n64 version i did put a lot of time into the main game and some of the time trialing as well though um which is why i what i realized again today because um this is such a harsh game but i cleared all the tracks in you know on, on the export expert courses and everything uh yeah and i realized i must have put a lot of time in this game to to True. get all that yeah. and yeah i mean if it's uh the one of the 
handful of uh, launch games that you have. It's that is bound to happen, of course. There is a tsunami zone, as we were talking about the tsunami. If you uh, zoom off of Dolphin Park mm. and uh, head off into the distance, there's a spectacularly choppy area right. of sea. Yeah, it takes all your boosts. Like you, you automatically regenerate boosts in Dolphin Park, so you need to boost, mm-hmm. and then it, you you have to maximise your boosts before the timer runs out because you get like a five, four, three, two, one, you know, out of bounds kind of warning. But you can just squeak into this kind of ring of very kind of you know. Um, over the top water riding fun. Not really a tsunami, no. <laughs> no, not really. No. A uh, similar sort of suite of uh, cheats and hidden things, but one Easter egg uh, that was remained hidden for a long, long time until relatively recent times. Uh, it was buried in the game, first reported by a user named Raoul Duke on NeoGAF. By entering a code on the audio option screen, the commentator announcer voice will be replaced by a less enthusiastic voice who will insult rather than praise the player's performance with lines like "You're inferior." Yeah. Also, the turbo boost turbo boost will sound like a girl meowing like a kitten, <laughs> according to Moby Games. I did this when I found out about the code. Yeah, it's quite funny how sarcastic the uh, the crew chief is. So that's it for Wave Race. The last game in the Wave Race series was a 2001-2 GameCube game. But the director of Wave Race 64, Katsuya Aguchi, was the producer of Wii Sports Resort and said that his involvement in Wave Race 64 assisted in the creation of that jet ski mode in the game. Characters from Wave Race 64 later made cameos in Super Smash Bros. Melee, but maybe they must have appeared in... Smash since then. Oh, it must be spirits. Yeah. yeah. There's so yeah. many spirits. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. I hope so. That's from the fandom wiki. Now, uh it's occasionally comes around that there's a rumor of a comeback. Back at the last one that was picked up by multiple news networks was in twenty eighteen in April, where uh, Shinya Takahashi says you might see that game again. Uh, when he was at the 2018 BAFTAs, when he was asked about the possibility of Wave Race returning. We have been trying to make many games, and that may be one of them. I personally love Wave Race, Mm. but that was three years ago now, and all is quiet. But it it doesn't sound like it's impossible. I think there have been franchises within Nintendo's list of IPs that have been dormant for possibly even longer than... 20 well, years with so. all that talk too about what retro was working on you know there was like it's a star fox racing game it's this it's that right, you know yeah. so like there they, i would not be surprised if there were a couple wave waste projects that were started or at least spun up that have since gotten the the old nintendo thanks but no thanks but um i guess that's what we mm. come to we come to rely on them to make those smart decisions so that what comes out is quality hopefully so um it, Donkey it would be, kong jet ski blast yeah there you go yeah diddy kong jet skis uh you have to control it with bongos. Oh, Funky Kong! Funky Kong rides. Just put a motor on his uh, surfboard. Yeah, right, nah, we got this. Let's uh, let's call up um, let's call up Joe Funky Nintendo. Funky Kong's and... touchscreen only. <laughs> yeah, Man, water it'd be, it'd be a bike. Labo game, wouldn't it? It'd be yeah. like some sort of <laughs> jet ski cardboard thing, and it'd be like, oh, okay, thanks, Labo. Yeah. It's nice building it, but I'm not. Yeah, yeah. We shall see. For now, we have three word reviews. Follow us on Twitter at Kane and Rince. Quiet Paul says, Dave's polygonal arse. 
This quiet pool's not so quiet. He's had a lot to say. Thank you very much. <laughs> Airfish Pie says bobbing and weaving. And Deadbeat Punk says ride the dolphin. Which is like riding the dragon, only safer. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, I don't really know in which order to put us. Uh, regular listeners will know that I try to sort of go in ascending order of enthusiasm. But obviously this is a multi-game show and I think we're all in a similar-ish place. Uh, I'll go first. I probably have less to say. I really have a lot of affection for Wave Race 64. I don't really have a lot of affection for Wave Race Blue Storm. But that's not to say Wave Race Blue Storm is a terrible game, but I don't think it has uh, quite the the history, the legacy, the charm of the N64 game for me. That said, it may well be more accessible in some ways to someone coming to it now with a smooth 30 frames a second frame rate and uh, graphics where you can kind of quite easily see what's going on and stuff like that. Uh, and I mean, in terms of recommending Wave Race 64, I don't know how many people who are listening to this have got a Wii U, but that's one place you can actually buy it if you don't own original hardware. I guess if you're the kind of person who listens to this podcast and has original hardware, you've already got a copy of Wave Race 64, so I don't need to recommend it to you. But yeah, it's been a a game that I've been very fond of for best part of quarter of a century now. I still stick it on from time to time, albeit on emulation, and I still have a thoroughly enjoyable time when I'm playing it. I would love to see it make a comeback, but only only if they can, they, whoever develops it, can capture everything about the the look and feel that made the N64 game so special. Time will tell, I suppose. Next up, I'll just go alphabetically because I really don't know. Brian? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, uh, Leon. I, I think that Wave Race 64 is is an important video game for for a lot of reasons, and um, much like yourself, I I do have better thoughts about it legacy wise um, than I do Blue Storm, and that's not to say anything again negative about Blue Storm. Blue Storm Blue Storm beats you down in a way though that I I feel like Wave Race 64 never really did, um, and and I feel like I said before that Wave Race 64 was a game where I felt like if I made a mistake it was on me, um, and that game just it just it's such it's to say of a time makes it sound like I'm only operating off nostalgia, but it just says so much more to me about the importance of the, the Nintendo 64 to not not just me personally, but just kind of like the development of games in the 3D space and popularizing that and consolizing yeah. that, bringing it into homes and on TVs and all that stuff. It just it, mm. it really was important to me for a lot of reasons. Um, and if I and if somebody asked me today, you know, like if if we, we in the in the fantasy where we could all hang out together. If you wanted to play some Wave Race 64, my answer would always be yes, because it's that game is mm-hmm. that game is like laser etched onto my brain on my pleasure center of just like this is a game that this makes me happy every single time I fire it up. And um, right, and yeah, so I think if you've never played it before, there's plenty of ways you can play it now. I think um, both, uh, I mean, well, on the Wii U and then in, in other other nefarious ways. Um, but if you get a chance, I mean, I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's anywhere to better way to play it than with that three-pronged monstrosity of a controller sitting down connected to the right. console and and just giving it a go <laughs> and i i fail to see even if you haven't played it before that you wouldn't at least have a good time and appreciate why we speak of it in that uh in kind of glowing sense nice darren yeah you know i'm really really 
affectionate for Wave Race 64, and I'm kind of glad that Mario 64 wasn't available to buy, you know, at, at the time of trading in my PS1 for the 64 and the two games, because I don't think I would have ever, maybe it would at some point, but I don't think I would have such kind of fond, fond memories, fondness for it, because, you know, getting home with an N64 for the first time with Wave Race and Mario Kart 64 was definitely a special time indeed. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a reason why we've been jokingly saying we should do a Wave Race 64 podcast for 400 issues or odd because we we we've all known that we've you know got serious uh, love and affection for a, a game about you know motorized plastic on water. It's it's amazing. Like the way Nintendo absolutely sold the the atmosphere and the the physicality of playing the jet skis is kind of. It's unmatched from the N64 version. Like I don't, I've not played a game since that's made me go, "Yeah, this is better than Wave Race 64." And for that reason, I would highly recommend it to play now. You know, maybe the the price tag for an N64 cartridge. You know, like if they've re-released it for fifty-five quid, I'd probably say, "Now, nah, well, you know, it depends on how much you want to invest mm. your time into perfecting the courses because there aren't that many courses really. You know, there's only like a handful, well, like a two handfuls, I guess, and then." And then, you know, you've got reverse. So, but if you want to pick it up for, a, you know, however much the Wii U eShop version is, you know, £6, £7. I, I, yeah, even though the Wii yeah. U version's got a kind of a, you know, a few issues here and there in terms of the visuals, like inherently within the emulation, I still find it fun to play. And yeah. just the kind of, you know, and if you have played Wave 64 on launch and you haven't played it since, yeah, you know, give it a shot because I, th- I think it is a very fun and, uh, yeah, a kind of, not it is well remembered but not as much as other n64 games and it is definitely one to look back on as kind of a a technical achievement for the for the console yeah love it um blue storm like i say it kind of goes for you know its older brother or sister and it kind of just doesn't really meet the match but that's not to say it's not fun you know i had fun with it today and i've had fun with it before it just kind of lacks that kind of nintendo polish that i expect or you know wish that them some of the games have and you know you can't you can't win them all but i played blue storm today and it probably is better than some other jet ski games out there because i haven't played one Mm. in a long time and thought yeah that's better than blue storm so blue storm does a good job it's just not as good a job as the one that came before it nice well, let's bring it home, perhaps with a bit more Blue Storm love from me. Definitely. A lot, of, a lot of Blue Storm love over here. Um, yeah, I can't say much about the Game Boy game. Um, and as I said, the N64 game is something that I played at the time, but was very appalled by uh, its unfortunate European butchering. Um, so Blue Storm is the one that really, yeah, really got me more invested in the wave race games and also which got me to get the uh, wii u virtual console version um after yeah when that came out years after its original release um and these are just two very unique kind of racing games that uh, i tried to explain just how how genius they are in their their design a little bit um and yeah, if you if you're being objective as objective as you can, I think uh, 64 is definitely the better designed game overall on the whole. Um, but I do think, like I said, that uh, Blue Storm is maybe a little bit talked a bit a little bit too negative. And I don't I don't think 
there's a lack of character there. It's just it might just not be the character that speaks to you. And you know, I don't, I can't say it's it speaks to me wholly, but I do have a lot of affinity for its silly characters and the, the crew cheese and the the bleep the the sort of water droppy effects of the menus that it goes through. And I think there's a lot of atmosphere there with also in part thanks to the differing weather conditions and like. Uh, Darren was saying earlier, like you go into the loading screen, loading screen of a new um, track, and you see the weather conditions. You see the water droplets coming down when it's raining. Um, I think, you know, and even though the music isn't particu- particularly memorable, I think it does tie into the atmosphere when you're playing the game for me, at least. So yeah, I mean, there is still, it's still kind of um, in within. Even though not as strong as to, uh, in terms of the track design and the uh, raw mechanics, I still think it is within the the same realm of Wave Race 64. And that you know these two games just there's not really a whole lot like it that has been created ever since. And in that aspect, I do recommend you going back to to both of them really. Uh, and yeah, I mean, for somebody that's not used to playing something in 20 frames per second, it might be a little bit rough. But if you can bring yourself to get accustomed accustomed to that, uh, yeah, you're you're not going to find a similar kind of racing experience anywhere else. Indeed, I say more than F Zero. I would like to see Wave Race make some kind of comeback. Mm. Yeah, because I'm probably in the minority. No, I, th- I I would agree because in my mind, F Zero has been kind of perfected already with uh, F Zero. <laughs> I thought you with, might say with that. F Zero GX. So yeah, I don't see how they can really improve on that other than with features, so. or a Blue Point style remake of GX. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway, that's a different topic altogether so just remains for me leon to thank brian darren McKeel, editor jay and our correspondents plus you for listening and next time in issue 465 we're back on the road but with more nintendo racing this time from mario kart wii (laughs) 